The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation, including some of the biggest games of the month that we're going to get into because there are so many releases this March to talk about, uh, as well as some brief news that we're going to, you know, just recap before we get into all of that. But before we do, I'm joined this week by Mark Medina. Severance is the best show on TV right now. It's so good, Mark. It is the best. It's so good. Yeah, we could just turn this into a severance podcast and I'd be okay with that. You should all go watch severance. It's very, very good. That's that's my intro. I have nothing else to talk about. Severance that's fine is the with best. Me. Go watch and now it. Mark it's, on, leaves. it's on Apple. It, it's relevant to this podcast because if you bought a PS5 and you open up Apple TV, it will give you a free six month trial, which is more than enough time to watch severance because I watched it in an afternoon. <laughs> they also recently stop. started a free trial on <laughs> PS4 even. So it doesn't matter what PlayStation generation you have. You can watch Severance and you should. That's our PSA for the week. Thank you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, we're also joined this week by Jada Griffin. All I care is seeing chaos destroyed. Oh, no. (laughs) It's gotten to her, too. Chaos. Chaos. Uh, We're going to be talking about (laughs) chaos quite a bit later, I think, and I'm excited to to dive into that conversation beyond just the memes, but uh, it should be a fun one. Uh, We're also joined this week by special guest Seth Macy. Seth, welcome to the show. Why, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. The last time I was on, we were in studio, and I was only on for five minutes because I got (laughs) called into a meeting. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like an in office sort of situation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Seth, we're, we're happy to have you back this week. Happy to be uh, here. For, for those, of course, who don't, you should go check out the show that Seth hosts, Nintendo Voice Chat, if you're a big Nintendo fan as well. It's a wonderful show. You've been doing a wonderful job with it, and it's, it's uh, great to have you here as well. No, you. Oh, you. You. And then you can also catch us together on another show. <laughs> we got to we got to do some uh, live tech here. Seth seems very quiet to me. I don't know if that's the same as for everybody else, but he seems very quiet to me. That or just Dornbush is insanely loud, which could, could also loud? be a thing. It, I know. did have a full cup of coffee this morning. No, Jada so sounds fine as well. Seth just sounds a little quiet. I, we don't have to stop oh. the show. I was just letting our producer know that uh, that Seth seems a little quiet. I was just helping everybody. Seth, out. how dare you? That is how? not like me at all. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, 
Well, with with that said, and, and I don't know if there's any mic things that can be done, but as we go into the show, we'll find out. Uh, I did want to, of course, mention we're recording the show on Wednesday. Uh, there is a state of play taking place tomorrow, Thursday, March 17th. Uh, we're obviously recording before then, so we're not covering it this week. But uh, you can go check out probably coverage on IGN.com and, and obviously YouTube and everywhere it is streaming. But uh, for now, we've got plenty of news and plenty of games to talk about this week. So we're going to be jumping into that uh, before we get into what we've been playing, because we've got sort of a a wide gamut of all the big releases of March, both for PS4 and PS5 that we're going to be talking about. Did want to briefly just mention uh, MPD and then a, f- a little bit of extra detail also came out about this. Uh, MPD for February was released. MPD covers the North American sales of uh, games, uh, both hardware, software and accessories. So obviously this is not a worldwide look, uh, but we did get info from that month and we learned that Elden Ring was the best selling game of the month and Horizon was the second best selling game of the month. Uh, Elden Ring was the best-selling game of 2022 by far, uh, so far, and I believe was the fifth or the the biggest selling like game launch month uh, other than Call of Duty Vanguard in the last uh, 12 months. Somewhere, somewhere in that top group. I need to check the exact number. But uh, Horizon Forbidden West was also the number one game sold on PlayStation in February. So even though Elden Ring was number one overall, uh, Horizon was the number one game on PlayStation, uh, which would make sense because as we've seen from like Steam charts and things like that, Elden Ring sold very, very well on PC. Uh, so it's not mm-hmm. surprising there. Uh, and we also learned that we haven't gotten exact sales numbers from PlayStation. They obviously put that stuff out when they choose to. Uh, we do know that Elden Ring has sold 12 million copies worldwide. So both seem to be doing very well. This is definitely, I think, the biggest FromSoft launch of, of all time. Uh, we, we have a new story up sort of comparing their past launch month sales. Uh, and this just trounces everything. So I think it's safe to say the FromSoft games have gotten gone from a bit of a niche to quite mainstream at the moment. It's it's very awesome to see that uh, transition happen. But things are good all around. You know, Horizon selling that well is not a surprise either. Um, it was selling very well on the PlayStation digital download charts as well. Good, good month for two very big games. I honestly was not sure how it would eke out. And I think it's awesome to see both selling so well and setting new records and all of that. Um, don't know if anyone has any specific sales thoughts, Seth. I know you used to cover when we both did news a lot, NPD. Oh, but I love me some NPDs. I don't know why, but I just do. But I got to say, I'm not surprised that Elden Ring is such a success. And I say that kind of anecdotally, but this is the first From Software game that I've actually stuck with. Normally, I bounce mm-hmm. off them in about an hour, and Elden Ring really grabbed me. And were it not for the game that I'm going to be talking about later, I would still be playing it. It has been unseated. <laughs> yeah, it uh, certainly seems that you're not the only case of that that I've heard. So, yeah, it mm-hmm. certainly explains why we're seeing this after all the anticipation for Elden Ring, the continued success of it. And so it's it's awesome to see. It's a very busy month. And, you know, if you have two massive open world games to play going forward, don't worry about having beaten both of them in the two weeks that since they've come out. Uh, there's there's plenty of time to catch up if you're but, casual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, that uh, that all said, very very good sales success for both. So congrats to both Gorilla and FromSoft for, for that huge success. Uh, moving on from there, just wanted to mention we're slowly starting to get a look at what the summer event season is or isn't going to look like in this case. Uh, and we got word that EA Play is not going to be happening this summer. Normally EA, they sort of went E3 adjacent and basically took place right around the, like, the same week as E3. It would be usually the weekend before for the last few years. They would do their own live show off-site from E3 
even though it was essentially like a building across from E3 for those who are curious about the real world versions of it. But uh, <laughs> EA won't be doing that this time. They are said they're kind of going to be showing their games off when they're ready and when it makes sense to. And I think, you know, we're seeing these now pretty frequent Dead Space streams. We've gotten two. We're getting another in May, so we're getting them every couple of months. Uh, and we got a early 2023 release window for, for Dead Space. Uh, we have Star Wars Celebration coming up, and that's where Jedi Fallen Order 1 was shown off, so that feels like a good candidate for any other, you know, follow-up to that. Uh, and and their sports games kind of tend to come out and do well no matter what, so it, it kind of makes sense to me, but I feel like we're shaping up for a strange strange summer of yes. showcases the summer is going to be weird this year when it comes because I, they haven't confirmed e3 or it's been confirmed it's not happening i can't remember right now off the top of my head um i actually really was one i was one of the people that enjoyed the ea play showcase uh but it was mostly selfishly because i really like just the really goofy apex trailers and stuff they usually show during that those periods of time um and i play a lot of apex so i'm always excited to see that stuff um plus when i got to go there was always apex swag that i couldn't get like on the online store. So being able to get some cool swag for my favorite games, it's, it's a, always a win for me. So sad it won't be there, but I didn't think it was going to be in person thing in this year anyways. So yeah, as of as of right now, I believe the E3, uh, the latest official update was that they were not doing an in-person show and they have not said whether or not they're doing a digital show. They've left it up in the air. Obviously, we're only a couple months out, so we should probably be hearing within the next couple of weeks if they have any plans. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, it's going to be strange. I think, you know, we've seen, especially just to bring it back to the show, PlayStation has not been at E3 the last few years, even before E3 took a year off. And I wouldn't expect them to come back even if E3 does a thing this year. Um I looked back at our calendar and they have had shows, they have had their big showcases in May and September the last few years. So if you're mm. looking for a big PlayStation showcase, those are probably the months to put your hopes on. Yeah. But yeah. This whole E3 stuff is kind of a bummer. Only because it's like, I, I, I've been with IGN since 2015. I've been to every E3 since uh, until, you know, pandemic wise. And like, I don't know, I, I'm really missing the hype that usually happens. And I know I know we do our, our summer of gaming and then Jeff does his summer game fest stuff. So it's like, I don't know, I, I, I'm used to that cycle of, of summer being this huge hype event. And then the winter comes and we get to play all the games. And so this whole like doling out thing is like, ah, it's fine. But like, I miss, I miss the hype. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm with Mark. I definitely, I went to one E3 in 2018, which was the last one that PlayStation <laughs> was at actually. Yeah. And it was mm. awesome. And it was like a, a lifelong dream come true. I almost ran into Andrew WK. Like literally I turned around and he was standing there. Um, I I'm with Mark like I love the just the hype and the energy about it and like it all in one place and it was just sort of you know I know it's a trade show and there are like rooms full of people from like Target and JCPenney hashing it out with <laughs> the distributors but it's also it's like a huge celebration mm -hmm. and it's so cool and so fun and I I miss it and I wish it would come back in, in a real form but we got PAX East which is okay <laughs> Is coming up. Yeah, coming I. But we've talked about E3 a lot in the past few years on this show. And I, I think, you know, Seth, you being at that 2018 one, that was that was a really great E3, I thought. And then 2019, yeah. when everyone started to pull out, like you could feel the hollowness of the of the uh, show yeah. floor. And well, it was, even, it was a bummer. Yeah. Even in 2018, like PlayStation was there. They had a huge area, but it was empty. 
there yeah. was yeah. nothing in it. It was so bizarre. There was just people were just like just sitting on the floor because it was a comfortable place where there was nothing else happening. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's something that unfortunately like the cat's out of the bag. And now that companies have found success with doing all this, we're probably not going to ever go back to a place where E3 <laughs> is the single destination. But um, you know, like to your to your point, Mark, I, I agree. I think like the cadence of having all these things, it both forces or it doesn't force, but it both creates this feedback cycle of like everyone puts their expectations on each showcase being the biggest thing of all time. Yeah. And then when it isn't, because there's four or five of them from each company potentially a year, it can be a bummer, even though that's not the intention of all of these anymore. But yeah, we don't have that sort of centralized. I think Gamescom is probably the closest still. Yeah. Gamescom has sort of started mm-hmm. to become bigger. But uh, that coming at the tail end of August, followed by literally the last three years, a state of play or a big PlayStation showcase has happened in September. And then Nintendo Direct, even that weird year where they only had like a third party direct sort of unexpected thing they september has now become kind of a big month because it, it sets you up for the rest of the fall but yeah we don't quite have that summer lull of releases but big hype news at the moment and it, it'll be curious to see how it plays out this year um other than that though i think that was all the biggest news from this week uh i am trying to make sure i did not forget anything on the playstation side this morning so please let me know if i did but other than oh i did want to briefly mention uh since they do have playstation history uh the until dawn creator supermassive games announced a new game called the quarry which is coming uh this summer being published by 2k it does not seem to be one of their dark pictures games because those are published by bandai namco this seems to be its own sort of thing it looks to be a little bit of a mix of kind of these the horror and campiness of until dawn so i have hopes for it whereas like the dark picture stuff has been a little more serious but look out for that one that could be a potentially fun spooky summer game to play um but other than that i did want to mention because we you know with our sort of uh, off cycle schedule last week we didn't get to give jada the floor and, and seth obviously if you want to jump in here as well um oh, yes there was a reveal at the PlayStation State of Play last week that got a lot of attention. Admittedly, I think was the biggest reveal on IGN.com. I think it had the biggest traffic of any of the news stories. And it was the TMNT collection. And Mark and I both admitted on the show to being like, oh, that's a cool thing for fans of those games. I never really played any of them, so it didn't matter to me uh, as much. But uh, Jada, I'm going to start with you because based on what you're wearing, I'm going to guess you at least know one of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> And you're muted right and now, so I can't muted. hear you. I want to say Turks one of the ones' name is uh, is uh, it's uh, they, they, they're they're artists, right? So, um, Raffalani, Raffalonio, uh, Leo, John, Leo, Jonatello, Jonatello, <laughs> uh, Jonatello, Leodongo, and, um, I don't, and I don't know if that one works. And, 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 and Mickey Radio, uh, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouseio. Um, is he the is. party dude? He is definitely uh, the party dude. He only eats uh, chili dogs. Um, yeah, but that's it's a totally lot of natural thing. It's no, a lot of character um, building. <laughs> we're all experts of TMNT lore, it seems. Um, I, know, Gina, I, am, I am a massive TMNT fan. I've been watching and playing TMNT since I was old enough to hold a controller. But yes, no, TMNT, like I said, I'm a, I was a huge Hyperstone Heist fan. I actually still have my original cartridge. Nice. Um, I've been a huge TMNT fan since based back when they were just comics and they were ultra brutal. Um, Obviously I was, uh, I saw the cartoons first because I was like four, um, four or five when I was watching them. Um, And I found the comics later in life, Um, but they're great. Um, 
yeah, this collection's amazing. Um, Turtles in Time is great. I'm not downplaying Turtles, time, Turtles in Time in any way. Uh, it's just, I was a Sega Genesis home, not a Super Nintendo home, so Hyperstone is what I got. Um, but that was the one I went to most of the time. Um, I love the the arcade, obviously. I've gotten down to, when I go and play it in arcades, I can clear the campaign in three quarters now. Whoa. Um, it's very difficult, and I have to do it solo, because if I have anybody else there, it takes away the... The points, which means you don't get the extra lives you need when you need them. Oh, dang. Um, so, I mean, in this uh, economy, you kind of have to like <laughs> be able to beat the game that fast. The three exactly. quarters, is, you know. <laughs> yes. It's like a full um, tank of gas now. What is that's, it? <laughs> yeah. People wish. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's great. I even, I remember, I think Seth, you guys were talking about it on NVC last week about oh, yeah. the, the Game Boy. One yeah. with the like abnormally large sprites. I actually yeah. had that one uh, back on the Game Boy, and that was, I got it with my first Game Boy from my uncle. And I ended up dropping it off my top bunk because I was playing in bed overnight, uh... and it cracked the screen. And all I had was this like very tiny little corner in the bottom right corner of the screen that worked. And I would play the game trying to get through with that. I managed to clear one level. And I couldn't I couldn't remember That's past amazing. that first level. It oh, was man. it was painful. I was like, I need a new Game Boy. I had to beg my parents for a new Game Boy, um, <laughs> which was just not a normal thing for me to uh, get extra stuff like that growing up. Like it was uh, uh, it was limited. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, but no, I love that. Uh, I played the original arcade one back in the day, like that algae level. Everybody will remember that from the very first one. Um, yeah, the NES one. Yeah, the oh. NES one. Very brutal. Uh, the trick is just sacrifice all the turtles, but Donatello, and you're good. Um, if you, as long as you keep Donatello alive after that level, you should be able to save the rest of them. And hopefully if you're, get if you're still, if you're still trying to beat TMNT for NES, there's yes, <laughs> there's your tip. That I mean, people hat. will That's be. So, you know. um, but yeah, uh, Fighters is great. There's just so many good TMNT games. I'm really hoping we get some type of a new TMNT game coming in. This decade, sometime. Um, I know well, there's we've got Shredder's their... Revenge, right? Oh, that yeah, yeah that, that too. That's new. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So Shredder's Revenge is gonna be great. Forgot about that one off the top of my head. Uh, I was talking more about like the rumors around like the Rocksteady building a TMNT game that's been going around for years. Um, which oh, that old just, rumor, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. I would love <laughs> some four-player Rocksteady style gameplay with the Ninja Turtles. Um, Based on how long Suicide Squad took them, I think you can look forward to that in like 2032, unfortunately. PlayStation 6 exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky, 6. But yeah. Um, no, so, Shredder's Revenge looks great yeah. too. And so I do yeah, want to go I'm back so to the, these older games as well. Mm -hmm. um, and your, your hype for them has me more I, interested. I used to watch the cartoons all the time, but I just never played the games for some reason. They just like oh whatever. I I have, games are so good. Uh, one second. I, I played the oh, no. Super Nintendo one, Turtles in Time. That's the best one. That's that's the one I've played the most, and that game is awesome. Like there, yeah. there are just like sound cues in that game that are like stuck in my brain forever. Like that's when you're doing the surfing in the in the sewers, and he's like, "My toe, my toe." That's exactly. Yep. What Tom was Tom Marks was saying on NBC. He nice. has like those those little yeah, my toe, my toe, and yeah. shell shocked, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was burned so into good. your burned into your brain. Like it's so I, it's ridiculous. I did realize I don't have any memory of ever playing this, but I guess I was somewhat lying. I guess I have played a Ninja Turtles game because I have my mom's old NES and a couple of the games that we had for it. And I do have this TMNT. That is such a good NES game. 
Turtles so 2, I the should arcade play game. this, I guess. Yep. Yes. But, Absolutely uh, yes. should. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, we we did miss out on talking about that one too much last week, so I did want to jump in there. And, and Jada, as you mentioned, Seth, you, you guys uh, talked about it a bit on NVC as well, correct? Yeah, we wanted Jada to come on, but unfortunately, uh, I believe you had a meeting. I did. It was yeah. an external outside of IGN meeting, too, so it's one of those ones you can't, like, generally, like, reschedule. I was meeting yeah. with, like, teams from Tel Aviv and Israel and oh, wow. a whole bunch of other... Yeah, it was just like, I can't really move this meeting when I've got four countries waiting on me <laughs> well talk about ninja turtles if yeah. you want to hear about ninja turtles we i think like half our show uh, of nbc <laughs> oh was like, gosh. like we just Excellent. talked about it ninja turtles we were very excited yeah but most, our most. thumbnail was ninja turtles and we talked about it for 30 seconds so yes. oh, it's because it had so the clearly. best art it did Clearly. definitely have the it did definitely have the best art but uh you know shout out to in the community jonathan rendon was like would have liked more conversation about tmnt there you go buddy and you got a shout out so mm-hmm. just say we listen to our commenters i'm in there every week chatting and i know seth is for the nvc cast so I, watch that NBC. is true so definitely Indeed. uh drop us good comments and we'll uh maybe your wishes will be granted yeah just well maybe. When when the TMNT collection comes out, I'm excited to hear oh how everything plays for, from your perspective and how it plays from people who perhaps haven't played all the games. Talk about me, apparently, even though I played one of those games. Uh, um, but speaking of playing games, we actually do have a lot of big releases from this month. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about how February, we had some really big heavy hitters with Horizon and Elden Ring toward the end of the month and then Sifu at the beginning of the month. And then March has just been this kind of consistent trickle of games. We have uh, several games that have been out this month already and next week just This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Looking ahead, we already have a couple other games. So we're going to jump in kind of throughout the month, a look at some of the games. Uh, and we're actually going to start in the middle of the month, aka this week, uh, because it's the the most recent uh, thing that we published a review for to talk about on the show. And we happen to have the reviewer on this show. Oh, my Wait, goodness. Who? Wait, what? We do? Who's that? Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy oh. Origin. I legit had Final no Fantasy idea what we were talking about. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I know we were gonna, I know we were gonna talk about Gran Turismo, and I was like, did Seth review Gran Turismo? That's it was a Seth has been an action he put on the entire time. I that was a strange choice. I, I'll be honest, I completely forgot Stranger of Paradise was a thing. Sorry, Jada. <laughs> well, it was Jada reviewed it, uh, and of course the demo is also out there for people to play. The beginning of the game, uh, your progress carries over uh, if if you've been playing that way. But you have of course played the the, the full thing. Uh, obviously, people can go check out your great review both in written written and video form on IGN.com and the the video on YouTube.com/IGN. Uh, but do you want to start off just by giving us kind of your like top level thoughts about the game? Yeah, so uh, basically, you know, it's kind of like the intro paragraph to my review, but uh, Strangers are, Stranger of Paradise, I have to really catch myself from saying strangers. I keep wanting to say mm-hmm. Strangers of Paradise, and it's just Me too. singular, yeah. not I could girl. I couldn't find the um, demo because it wouldn't pop up because I'm like, Strangers <laughs> of Paradise, and I'm like, what? People are playing yeah. this. Why is this not popping up? Yeah. <laughs> there's only uh, one it, Stranger. There's not several. There's only one Stranger. <laughs> Narratively, it makes sense, uh, like, as you get further into the game. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's basically kind of a not a re- it's like a not a retelling, not a prequel. It's kind of a well, kind of a prequel, but it kind of fills in some gaps around the Final Fantasy one story that uh, most people don't know of. Or it's just, you know, that they've taken the liberty to tell this story um, following this main character, Jack, and the role he plays in the uh the first Final Fantasy and the Warriors of Light. So it's kind of like seeing what Final Fantasy one kind of might have looked like in 2022 versus its 1987 original release, uh, just with a different gameplay style. Obviously, it's real time action versus turn based. Um, It's done by the Koei Tecmo Team Ninja Team. So, you know, the action is solid. The gameplay mechanics, combos, uh, the customization and combat. If you've played Neo and like Neo, um, you'll probably like this. Um, The job system is and freaking tastic there's 28 different jobs to switch from um switch between you can equip two at a time so you're multi-classing um i generally once i got all the classes unlocked i stuck with sage and dragoon um because being a dragoon and being able to jump around the battlefield is freaking fantastic um and you can stay in the air forever almost it's kind of ridiculous how high you can jump um and sage gives you access to black and white magic so heals and dps um which is always very welcome 
Is there um, a red mage? There is a red mage class. That's yes, the best class of all. Red mage is a great class. It has the uh, they give the, their power isn't as high as any of the other mages classes, but they have the fastest casting. So nice. you can like chain cast like six thunder spells. Do in they a have a, a jaunty hat with a feather in it? There, uh, yes, that is actually yes. A okay, well, regular... I'm buying yes. this now. So yes, okay, there's a you. there's uh yeah there they have it. I think it comes in red and in purple. They have that same kind of hat. Um, it's got to got that. There's also that they also have like that kind of very um Sinatra kind of like hat, um, which is kind of crazy. Which is you know they <laughs> like use a fedora. This, yeah, they have, like the fedora, um, <laughs> like a like a sir. <laughs> the frank sinatra um, connections for this game just are endlessly delightful but yes um and honestly it the song i was so baffled by why they went with that song for this game but it totally makes sense once you finish the game like it i was like oh okay well that totally makes sense why they went with that it fits thematically for the game um but yeah no it's really good uh co-op is great um i was actually hopped on with my max gear scored character last night and helping some uh, newbies clear uh, through the uh, the dungeon with uh, or the level with Tiamat as the boss, and I just sat back, just casting Cure, Protect, Shell, Haste, Regan. Oh, you died. <laughs> Let me revive you. And just like I was, I was like, you guys have to do the damage and fight this boss because otherwise, I will literally just one shot him um, at my level because um, it's very gear based. Um, but it was You've a lot of fun in... just seeing people. Sorry, I put in, ahead. yeah, no, I put in, uh, you're going to say how many hours I put into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I put about uh, 30 hours to clear the campaign with side quests, co-op, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, put another 15 or 20 hours after that, just kind of like game capture, practicing a few things to make sure things worked how I was talking about them. And then over the weekend, I put after I writ the, wrote the review, I put another 40 hours in over the weekend, just getting to Dang. max level. Um, cause once you clear the game, you unlock a chaos difficulty, you know, chaos. Of course you do. Yeah, of course it's, of course it's <laughs> called chaos. Um, and, um, uh, it basically, it takes the missions difficulty from like, when I cleared the game, I think the final mission was like one thirty was like the, the highest like gear score where they wanted you to be around that level. Um, and then it on the chaos difficulty, it maxes out at 300. So the oh, wow. monsters scale up so i got to two i'm at 297 right now you have to clear like 300 mission like the mission not 300 missions but missions at level 300 to unlock through level 300 gear um which is some of the best gear so like i have like level 300 gauntlets which are the god hands um which is you know um pretty cool name also tribute to god hand the old game um plus i'm pretty sure there's final fantasy weapon called god hand um in one of the older ones Can't there's also that review gets brought up every time we give something a low score it's 12 years ago or something but. it is much better than that um i really enjoyed it like the graphics it's not the best graphical game graphically the level design is a little simple um but the gameplay is fantastic the story is nonsense until the end um which was kind of crazy i was i was really surprised I, like no joke I was probably like 15 hours in. I was like, this story makes no gosh darn sense. Like, I don't care about any of these people. I don't care about anything. And literally the last like five hours is like, oh, 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 okay. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. And that's why that was like that. Okay. That makes sense now. And so like, I really enjoyed the ending, the payoff for all the buildup that they did really worked for me. 
Um, Sounds like a classic Final Fantasy. You got to play 60 hours before it gets good. (laughs) So story wise, yes, but the gameplay is good from the jump. Like, I really like the gameplay right off the bat. Like, even when you're at the start and you have very few classes, just kind of discovering what combos and stuff and how you can uh, swap classes mid combo to extend your combos. And you can pretty much do that endlessly as long as you have enough MP um, and you gain MP per hit. So generally, if you, you know, you can one chain uh, lots of enemies, not bosses because they jump around a lot and move around. um, But it's great. I really like it. I, I I was gonna say I've, I've been playing the demo and I I feel that like elasticity in the in the combat it it definitely is something like just even being able to switch on the fly like you were saying between classes or the jobs lets you just keep finding new ways to go at creatures even if you're going at the same small ones you know throughout that demo a, a little bit but I totally am there right now where I was also like I'm having fun playing this this doesn't look the best mm-hmm. but I also yeah. just like. The story for me, it's so hard for it not to be rooted in the memes that I've seen of like, obviously, him listening to like Limp Biscuit or or things like that. <laughs> but I think the thing for me at the beginning, it was just kind of like the three characters who are your starting party meet. They skip like weeks of their time together. So then they're best friends. They then go on a journey together that seems very different from the last journey. And but they still don't seem like very good friends. I just was like, what is wh- I don't know why any of this is happening right yeah, now. And I yeah. kind of what was like, a, what in the final fantasy 15 is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I haven't the, played 15. So that also like, I don't have a point of comparison. There, yeah. The, but. the characters are very bland. Like they're not going to be up there at the top with the clouds, the squalls, the Yunas, the Titus or Titus, however you want to prefer it. I know Titus <laughs> is the proper way, but I always called it Titus I, growing up. I think it's Titus. So, <laughs> it's Titus. It is. But you know, when you have something and burn in your brain and you want to say you, you, when you're like, young and you just like, like, this is how I read it. Um, oh, I, I have that with Kingdom Hearts, and I got a lot of flack for it in a video once because I saw one of the the main villains in, in Chain of Memories. I always knew their name is Marluxia because I just mm-hmm. thought you pronounced the X that way, but it's Marluxia. Marluxia. Mm. And I had no idea, so I pronounced it as Marluxia. And that was not a good thing that I did. That, that was, was how my – to be fair, that's how my brain <laughs> took it as a kid playing it in like back in what, 2004, three? I can't remember. The- the version of Final Fantasy X I bought came with a book that, you know, when games came with books back then, and it came with, like, you know, the the character biographies or something like that. And the one I had said, uh, you know, our hero, Titus, pronounced T-E-E-D-U-S. And I was like, OK, so, like, technically, yeah. that's just like copywriting from like a Japanese to English kind of thing. Like, it doesn't necessarily make it 100 percent canon, but like. It's in the book. Yeah. Also, well, and, uh, and to be fair, to prefer to to bleh, to be fair, I in Japanese is pronounced e, so it would be Titus if you're reading the Japanese translation of it. So that's um, all I needed to hear. Yeah. So like it is correct to say Titus, but Titus is just how I prefer it, and so that's how <laughs> I'm going to refer to him um because i don't think they ever say his his name in 10 if i remember correctly they don't well no because because in 10 that was the last final fantasy that you could rename him so you can oh that's true he doesn't have this is a final fantasy 10 podcast now uh you you (laughs) you can just make his name whatever and then 11 was an mmo and then 12 like you know his he's vaughn and the rest is history can i can i make a confession until like five minutes ago i didn't know it was not titus so there we go there you go it's, that's no, that's it's, my that's my goal on beyond is to always teach someone something new about final fantasy 10 
Yep, there you well, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the my I probably think probably my favorite thing about playing through uh, Stranger Paradise besides the combat was the levels, not the design, uh, like the level design for how you get from point A to point B, but just the the environment and the art direction that they went because just about every stage is pulled from a different Final Fantasy game. So and like I had my I was looking at every stage. I'm like, what game is this from? Like there, you'll see in my review, like you'll see like the Mako reactors from Final Fantasy VII is in there. You'll see uh, the Cavern of Earth dungeon from Final Fantasy One is remodeled after the. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting what it's called. It's the um, it's that very first like real big dungeon in Final Fantasy XII where it has the uh, the walls with the claws that come after you and try to knock you off the ledge. I cannot remember the name of that, and I'm mad because I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it has that. Um, there's one that takes inspiration from Final Fantasy XI. Uh, there's a pirate cove that takes inspiration from Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it's the Sestasha dungeon. That one I remember. Um, and so, but there's so many good levels that are just really cool to figure out. Like, oh, that came from this. Um, but yeah, there's it's it's really good. It's a treat for if you're a fan of Final Fantasy and you like action games like Neo. Um, with a little bit of a souls that have like that little bit of a souls um, uh, DNA, you'll probably like Stranger of Paradise. So just don't uh, just don't get bogged down on being a, a graphic snob and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, definitely not. I would say up to you know even seven no. remake. Um, no, not at all. But mm-hmm. it, nowhere it, near. It is definitely a game that as I was playing, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I think if I tried to stare too much at the screen and try to figure out all the detail of everything, that's not kind of the point of it. Um, it's it's a bummer because I, I do think, like, as you were saying, even just from the beginning, there's a lot of ver- variety that you can find to the world. So I do wish it had that graphical bump, but the, the gameplay itself is really solid. And if people want more info from Jada on it, they should definitely go check out the full written and video review because it was great. Thank you. Uh, moving on from there to talk about another game, since we got a few to knock off the list, I do want to mention uh, the latest Gran Turismo has been out for a few weeks now. We've been meaning to talk about it on the show, but things kept happening. But luckily, we have a Gran Turismo expert here. Mark, take ah. it away. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> you know, cars, they go fast sometimes and you can drive them. There you go. Uh, no, Seth, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us this week to talk about Gran Turismo uh, 7. Oh, you know, it's it's been out it for a few weeks. Pleasure. I know you've been loving it, and so I do want to hear your thoughts on it, but just before you dive into what you've been enjoying about it, just also give a little bit of background for kind of like where you're coming from, from a like Gran Turismo history of it. Well, I I played Gran Turismo 1, 2, 3, and 4, and as far as 2, 3, and 4 are concerned, I played those like whatever the day was that they came out. Uh, Gran Turismo, the original one on PlayStation 1 was not something I was aware of. I wasn't really interested in racing games other than Ridge Racer, which is a, a very arcadey racing game until I was, you know, at a like a friend's and he was playing it and I was just blown away. Like the 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 replays looked like actual race footage. <laughs> if you watch it now, it's super, does it? But in whatever, 1998 or something, it looked it was like the most realistic looking car racing game I had ever seen. And it is it advertises itself as a car racing simulation but it has this uh this sort of magic to it that keeps it it gives it a little yeah there's ridge racer right there, there. it is it looks um, so real it looks <laughs> real um there's the i'm trying to 
you know, a lot of simulations, like I love, I love simulations. Like, don't get me wrong, but they're, they lack personality. They sort of get bogged down in the details. Whereas Gran uh, Turismo somehow can do both. Like it can really get bogged down in the details, but it also has this, just like this charm to it that I love. And you can tell that the creator um, is a super, just this loves cars. And I remember reading, uh, like an EGM back in the, the late nineties, an interview with a creator whose name is escaping right now. And this is basically that's like a dream project because he loves cars so much. So yeah, I played one, two, three, and four, and then I didn't have a PlayStation three and I never played Gran Turismo sport. So I was very excited when this one came out. I got it last weekend and Elden ring went out the window. I stopped <laughs> playing that entirely. And now this is all I play and this is all I want to play. It's all I want to talk about. It's all I think about. I love Gran Turismo 7. It is fantastic <laughs> and it is so fun. And I cannot, for the life of me, get the gold medal in uh, the A8 license dirt track test with the Toyota <laughs> Tundra. I cannot do it and it is driving me absolutely crazy. It's it so is harder specific. than any of the bosses in Elden Ring. I, I am. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Dark Souls of car games. <laughs> it is the Dark Souls of car games. That's one of the things is they've sort of smoothed a lot of the edges off of Gran Turismo over the years. Like the first one, you couldn't do anything until you passed the license tests. Like mm, you could that. not play any of the game and it was really frustrating and the barrier to entry was like really high and now you can you know jump in and you can start playing but to get to the later stuff you do have to get those licenses of course i went through and i got all the licenses before i did any of the actual game so yes i have my super <laughs> license and so now i'm going back you, trying to if you need a gold star that one race just don't bang your head up against the wall go and explore do all the other races <laughs> level up a bit and then come back and fight that race and you'll be surprised <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just have to keep rolling out of the yeah, way yeah. just keep yeah. dodge rolling around yeah, exactly. have you tried getting a better sword yeah. oh uh, yeah. i did not try that upgrading your wheels at the smithing stone <laughs> maybe i need to respect <laughs> um but no just to, to your point seth i also was looking it up most likely i think the the longtime producer that you were probably reading an interview interview from would have been Kazunori Yamauchi. Yes. Um, yeah. Who's who I, I know did a few interviews and, and, and like previous stuff with Luke and, and you can check all that coverage out on IGN. But yeah, this is, I think that's the thing about Gran Turismo that has made me decide like to finally jump into it is sort of like, I, I am not someone who knows car culture very well, but there's clearly such a love of it. Yeah. behind it and and it seems like gt7 is also really trying to showcase that love and, oh, yeah. and tell you why car culture is so interesting and fascinating to the developers oh. uh, and and yeah, put that I, front and center there yeah and it's it's more than just like a, a representation like there's actual chunks like little bits of history on every car manufacturer that's in the game like you can basically read a, a wikipedia article about the history of like bugatti or, you know, like mm. the origins of like Fiat and things like that. Like um, it's uh, like uh, Forza Horizons is like a celebration of automobiles. But this is like an homage to just like car culture. It is just <laughs> it is so good. And actually playing Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was because you can't crash like that. I don't think. But, um, I think that might have been that. showing a bug. OK, yeah, um, but yeah. It reminds me of what like I originally sort of fell in love with PlayStation in the first place. It was games like Gran Turismo because back then this didn't exist on any other console. There was no other game like Gran Turismo that took its the subject matter so seriously 
and so intricately, you know, laid out the physics and the tuning. You know, that's an important part. I was having a, I was banging my head against the wall trying to win this race. And it turned out, well, I had to sort of tune my transmission. So I had, you know, a more on the higher end because it was a longer track and I was losing because the other car, it, whatever. It's just, it, you can really nerd out with this game. And it's also, it's absolutely beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful car games ever created. And I am playing it on PlayStation 5. And the DualSense integration is the most incredible thing I have felt on a game console since like the first time I played analog. It is so incredible the way those triggers respond. Like if you break traction, the trigger, you feel breaking traction with the trigger. It's so impossible to like really explain it. Or you're driving in the, uh, the Tokyo levels and you know, it's on a highway and those highways have seams so they can expand. And when you drive over them, you feel every bump. Boom, boom, boom. And it is oh, just, wow. oh my God, it is so cool. I'm really excited to try this out with like a racing wheel because, but I mean, at this, if you don't have a racing wheel, the dual sense is just amazing. It is such an incredible way to play this game. I love it so much. I wish I were, I mean, no offense to you all, but I wish I were playing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Uh, it's, it's I wish I was, I wish it. I was doing anything else as well. Oh my <laughs> great, great, what a great wow! Mark. He just I, signed I off. Turned, wow. I turned off his camera because yeah. uh, <laughs> after that sort of comment, I get yes, it. Yeah. Yes, um, Seth. I so yes. you were saying it's super pretty, and I I agree. It's looked gorgeous in all the trailers. Have you messed around in the photo mode at all? I did a little bit of the photo mode, and if I think I think guys, I'm sorry. I think my camera actually died, <laughs> and it died at the funniest moment ever. In time for oh your goose, so so right in time for me saying I don't want to be here. My camera died. <laughs> I thought you were doing and a bit, um, but yeah, Seth, you were saying the photo mode. You've messed around a little bit with it. Yeah, I, uh, I it, the photos that you can take in the photo mode, they look. I mean, they photorealistic they look like actual locations actual cars as far as um the the forza photo mode is much better I, i'll just say that oh, like i don't really okay. like the because uh in forza you can just stop the game wherever you are and just mm -hmm. do a 360 degree view and you know do whatever you need to do to get the picture that you want wherever you want <laughs> there's a great picture <laughs> of mark, mark. That, just that just popped back up um Very but I, you know, and I might, it might be something that I unlock later, you know, because I haven't unlocked everything in the game. But for now, it's just like you sort of, you place your car on a scene and you can move the car around a little bit. You can add other cars. You can bring things to the fore. And it has all the normal photo controls. So aperture, um, you know, shutter speed, uh, focal length, things like that. But it's not as, uh, it's not as exciting as I was, I was hoping it was. It takes some very beautiful pictures, however. And that might be, part of why it's not linked to the actual game itself because the pictures that you take they look they look completely realistic so gotcha yeah. okay and yeah, i love a, a photo mode so yeah it's a bummer that it doesn't have the kind of like the more controls like i've it's one of those things i don't know if i've talked about it on the show like we talk about so many things that i tend to forget about stuff as crash gets bigger and bigger um speaking of photos um and it's just it amazes me how like some photo modes get things so right like yeah. spider-man has you can add lightings and move your oh, lighting yeah. and change everything you can change your suit in the inside the photo mode there's like yeah. so, so many options i think spider-man has probably done photo mode the best out of any game i've played so far 
And if if somebody else has recommendations for other ones for me to go try, please send those to me. Send oh, me I, in the comments so I I'll I send know. you one right now. Yeah. I don't. I won't even go to the comments. Ghost of Tsushima has the best photo mode of any Ghost. game ever created. Ghost hands down and i say that as a hobbyist photographer for the last 10 years like ghost Good. of tsushima's photo mode is unbelievable i barely played the game because i was too busy taking pictures so i spent a I spent a whole lot of time uh with ghost so i totally agree i think ghost may actually be the better photo mode um just because i know you can add all those effects and you can change yeah. the the degree of the effects it's yeah you know you're right i'm gonna change it ghosts is the best one so if anybody has one better than ghosts please send i me those doubt comments. it's not possible <laughs> um but yeah my i just hope, really yeah go ahead Jonathan. i was just gonna say my hope would be and, and obviously they're all building games on different engines and doing things like that but i i do hope we get to a point where all the playstation first party games can share the learnings of their photo modes because some like i do think probably ghost is the best overall but i do think spider-man's has a few things that ghost doesn't that that i like using in there as well and so i i hope there's just a, a point where we get to where all of them have kind of all of the features that make the most sense but obviously they're building mm. different tools they're trying different things out but um yeah and that seems to be the case again with gt7 it's those cool lights man they they need to add more of that that the (laughs) the lights that are in spider-man uh the 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 lights not being in horizon was definitely a bummer i wanted to use like radial lighting more uh, a little bit there but um just just to wrap up the the gt7 thoughts um seth obviously you're coming from a place of like i wouldn't say fully like lapsed but you did skip a couple of gts throughout the years but um how how are like obviously you clearly love it as like a longtime fan do you feel like it's, it's a good introductory point for people as well who maybe have wanted to drive gt in the past but just never did uh the p- biggest problem with gran turismo games is that they're pretty pretty difficult to get into and i yeah. would say that this one is not really any exception because it requires to get the licenses it requires actual like driving skills and there's a, a million assists that you can turn on but even with the assists like if you if you're not hitting those lines and you're not breaking at just the right time or get you know hitting the gap you're not gonna pass those license tests like me with a8 beginners dirt track i cannot get that 300 <laughs> of a second to, to beat it but yeah I, it's just so beautiful though I, I still would recommend if you have any interest in cars if you have interest in, in cars enough that you're you're gonna want to do all those you know all the technical stuff anyway it's totally but it's for like the if you're looking for like a casual racing game, this is not it. This is a yeah. simulation. Mm. Yeah, this one definitely seems it, it's one of those things that I think kept me back from it previously. But I would like to try my hand at it just to see if it is a thing, because I don't know how to drive in real life. So it's it'll probably be the most learning. It will t- <laughs> the, everything that you learn in this game applies to real life. And I only say this because after, you know, playing like Gran Turismo 2, uh, when I was in the Air Force, my squadron, we went to this go kart track. And the guy who ran it was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn the governors off. And so we were just flying around. And I was like, oh, if I hit the apex of this corner, like I won't fly into the wall. And like, yeah, this actually teaches you how to drive front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, front wheel or rear wheel, mid engines. Like there's all kinds of different handling. And you learn about all of it uh, in this game. There's there's so many times where I'm like, I need to get to McDonald's fast. I am so hungry. And I go out and I tune my uh, my, you know 
<laughs> acceleration and all that stuff. I tuned my wheels. I let out some air, stuff like that. And that's. I, I mean, will say the Tesla Roadster uh, 2012 is uh, a playable vehicle in this game. And I bought. Oh, uh, look at that. Try I tuning will. its uh, transmission. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't done any tuning to it, so I don't know what. Well, it doesn't have that. one. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say I come from the school of Mario Kart, so any actual closer to real world driving would probably be helpful in my. That's case. what driving a Tesla is actually like. It's just like driving a glorified like golf cart go yes, there's a thing. button that releases a banana peel perfect <laughs> i mean i'll look forward to that in the next model but uh seth thank you for your thoughts on gran turismo 7 it's something we've been meaning to yeah, talk absolutely. about for a little bit i'm glad you're enjoying it as much as you are i love it so much i'm sorry we're keeping you from it but it's okay i also have a job that i have to do today as yeah. well yeah. so annoying job uh anyway. great reasonable player oh well exactly uh, we we probably need help on the guide i'm sure sam could could give you an excuse um <laughs> before we wrap up though mm. i do want to mention another game that mark you and i have been playing but i want to throw to you now that you're also back on camera with us i did uh, it. You got to play sort of the there's been a preview section of the the early hours of Ghostwire Tokyo that we've been able to play the the opening mm-hmm. couple chapters. Uh, you can go check out Tristan's proper full preview written and video version on IGN.com if you want his breakdown and thoughts on the game so far. But Mark, how has that sort of opening hours of Ghostwire hit you? Of course, it's coming to PS5 and PC next week. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo is an it's an it's an interesting game coming out at an interesting time. Uh, you you try to you try to do that like journalism thing where you don't compare it to all the other games coming out right now. Uh, but luckily for me, I am not a journalist, so I can compare it to <laughs> anything. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting one be, just because it's it's so much different than Horizon and Elden Ring, and the fact that it's. I'm not liking it as much as those two games uh, so far, but uh, I I, th- I think there's definitely a game here that that people will love, and I, I think I will eventually fall in love with it. Um, let, let let's start with the good. It's just the, worth saying the, your your comparison point there is for those who don't know, this is more of an open world game than you might be thinking. Like Tango previously did the Evil Within games, which yeah. are more linear. This is. It is at the beginning, you know, there's a little bit of story integration mm-hmm. to get you into things, but it is an, an open world game. It opens up into being a open up the map, reveal points, go do side missions, go collect certain things. Yeah, it, it can almost be compared to like that kind of Ubisoft style of thing where it, it, except for this one's a little different in the sense that like um, in 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 a Ubisoft game, you unlock a tower so that way you can see more of the map. In this game, you unlock a tower because you physically can't go to those areas in the map until you've unlocked the tower. Like unlocking, uh, they're called Turi shrines, dissipates this fog that's there that you can't physically go to. So like in an Assassin's Creed, when you start the game, you can just run anywhere. This game does prevent you from that. So it is open world, but it starts very, very small. And you can only go because the story shrines are there. There's only like five of them to start with, maybe even less. And then as the story progresses, more and more will unlock, which means, okay, more of unlock. So now I can go further in the map, but you can't just go anywhere from the start. So still open world, but uh, yeah. But yeah, the good stuff is, is that it's like it's very flashy. I, I think it's well acted. It, it's one of those rare games that because it takes place in Tokyo and it's, it's Japanese, the default setting is for it to have Japanese speaking with English subtitles. I will say I, I, I turned that off only because while while 
that seems like the pure way to play. You miss a lot of dialogue having to read subtitles while you're in the middle of action. So it's basically how it is, is you have this being inside of you. His name's KK and he's essentially Venom, right? He's always just talking to you. They, they highly recommend you play this game with a headset on. And it's because you hear that like inner dialogue all the time. And so he's constantly like, I don't mean constantly in a bad way, but he's like always telling you, you know what to do. And, 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 He's cracking jokes and he's giving you story information. But if he's giving it to you in Japanese while you're playing, you have to then read subtitles while battling creatures. Like that's, I did not find that very easy to do. So I, I, I but the, I, I thought the English voice cast was also very well. Um, does he does he talk about sending stuff to his stash? He does not do that. There's no Sadly. stash, no stash I, in this game. I will say just to give the the opposite. I, I have been playing with uh, Japanese VO still on, and I, I definitely have had those moments as a non you know native Japanese speaker where I probably have missed a line or two. Typically, if it's a very story big moment, I will like almost kind of stop myself from getting into anything so I can take everything in. But the, the Japanese VO is also very well delivered. Yeah. But yes, if you're not a native speaker to it, you are more likely going to be focusing on those when possibly you might be wanting to be in the midst of combat or trying to figure out your, your way around and stuff like that. So that is worth mentioning. Absolutely. I, I can imagine a world where I would want to replay the game again with the Japanese because there are there are certain characters that you meet later in chapter two that like, yeah, I don't I know what the two main characters sound like in Japanese because I played um, a good portion of it with that way before I changed it to English. But then there was, uh, you know, another new character that I met that I'm like, I kind of wonder what they sound like in Japanese. So that's, you know, I, I can picture myself wanting to replay the entire game again, uh, more in the like, you know, creator's vision, I guess you could say. Um, the world itself is like really pretty. I, I think it's a fully realized world and they, they, there's, it's it's strange because it's you know you've seen the trailers you've seen the gameplay it's not a bustling world where things are happening and that's the point there's just clothes everywhere because one th mysterious thing happened and everybody disappeared uh which adds a lot to like the the ambiance and aesthetic to the game you are alone and it's kind of creepy um if you can see on the screen right now, that's one of those like ghost parades. Those are terrifying. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very it's a very creepy, uneasy game. But it, it also is not afraid to be a little silly. Um, the vendors are all like they're cats and they sing funny songs and stuff like that. And the characters themselves do crack jokes every so often. So I I, I am really, really liking it so far. Um, yeah. But I, I would I would I would be remiss to not mention a few things that you know i just want to be uh, uh, uh honest with our audience <laughs> uh i i think the combat is is it looks cooler than it actually plays <laughs> only because like it looks really really flashy but once you once you get into it you'll start to realize that it's it's incredibly basic <laughs> you you have like four moves and each of them is just a, a a very magical flashy looking version of a gun like you you have like a wind attack it's just a pistol you have a a, a water attack it's a shotgun like tristan goes over all this in his preview if you want to check all that out but it's it's uh it, so you you find yourself trying to unlock skills and stuff like that and i'm i'm excited to lock more unlock more skills 
But the reason I'm excited is because the the abilities are pretty lackluster and I'm just trying to make them interesting. That's what I, I very quickly discovered is you you are shooting your pistol, you know, your wind attack, and it shoots very slow. So I'm very excited to be able to shoot it faster, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's it's kind of stuff like that where I was like, hmm, this is it is what it is. Um, and then uh, my biggest frustration with it is. Uh, there's no dodge ability. The only way to defend yourself is is to hold L1 and he'll put up like a block. And it also has the ability to do like um, like a quick parry where if you hold L1 at the last minute, you'll kind of like deflect their attack and stuff like that. Um, so that's really your only means to defend yourself. So it's a lot of like almost like Fallout style where you're just like running backwards the entire time because it's the only way to get away from enemies. Um the game requires you to hold buttons a lot. But uh and, and so I'll give you two examples of that. Every ability has has, you know, just your R2, just your shooting, but if you can hold it and it'll do something else. So like for the wind attack, it'll shoot a, a barrage of of wind attacks that you unlock more skills and it'll it'll shoot more. The water attack will do a bigger slice and then there's like a fire attack that when you hold it it shoots like a fire bomb. All of those require you to hold the button uh to to shoot it and you have to hold it for quite a long time until you activate more skills to make it where you don't have to hold it as long. But anything touches you interrupts that. So it's a lot mm. of just like you're running backwards, holding R2 to do your special moves. And that's like and then the other thing is there's like this finisher where when you've done enough damage to them, you can absorb their core again to absorb the core. You hold L2 and he does this really cool like string attack like he's absorbing their core. Anything touches you that it, that gets interrupted. And when you get interrupted from absorbing the core, they come back to life. So it really does become this frustrating dance of like trying to find time to like do these holds when in reality, all you're doing is you're, you're just going to start spamming R2. Yeah, <laughs> leads I, me to my sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> I haven't used like any charge attacks because, yeah, you just don't have the time. Like, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think the combat is probably the, the most basic slash like least interesting part of, of what yeah. I've played so far. Like the, the world and the story and all of that is really, really cool. And I'm, I'm super mm -hmm. into exploring it. But yeah, any combat situation, if there's more than three enemies, I basically am just walking backwards, slowly leading them away so that they don't get up in my face. Yeah. And so I, I've I've talked about this before on the show, and I, I know it's blasphemous on a PlayStation podcast, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of the adaptive triggers uh, when they're not used in a way that like, like, sorry, Seth, like I, th I, I think for like a racing game, they're probably awesome. I'm playing Grand Theft Auto Fire right now, and they've added adaptive triggers, and I, I think it works oh. really well. But for this game, it's one of those like every time you shoot the, the wind attack, it 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 kind of works against you, right? Like, hey, look, we're adaptive. We're shooting a wind attack. When you're spamming a wind attack, that is not fun, right? Uh, Having okay. this controller work against you. So for fellow people out there that don't want to deal with constant hand cramps, <laughs> I turned off the adaptive triggers immediate, almost immediately. Stretches. 
Mark, yep. you gotta do the stretch. I just don't want to play a game where my controller is like always working against me. I never turn them off for Horizon, and I've played 80 hours of Horizon. I thought they did it so well in Horizon that it doesn't like make you pull back a bowstring. There's just a tiny bit of resistance. This game goes a little too overboard, and so I turned them off. Think and then the last thing else. forearms are gonna be though after playing that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then the, the last thing I'll say <laughs> is this game has six graphics options on PlayStation 5, <laughs> which is insane. Um, and 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 they are as followed. Quality, performance mode, high frame rate versions of both of those, which I thought performance mode was high frame rate. But there's HFR quality, HFR performance, and then there's HFR performance and quality with V-Sync enabled on both of those. This game has the patented Bethesda engine input lag that I really, really don't love. (laughs) I'm really, really sensitive to input lag because I I play a lot of games on PC on a 240 hertz monitor. So like when things have input lag, they they really, really drive me crazy. Things like Deathloop and Wolfenstein 2 and and, uh, stuff like that. So this game has that as well. So for the people out there that are very sensitive to input lag, <laughs> high frame rate mode, performance mode with V-Sync enabled is that's the sweet spot right there. I've good done a know. lot of te- I've done a lot of testing. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, very good to know. Also, unfortunately, Jada's Internet just died. So if you notice that she has frozen or is unable to say anything toward the end of the show, that is that is why that's happening. Hey, um, at least I stuck around. All I did was turn my camera off. <laughs> the Ghostwire Tokyo uh, blasphemy has re- ejected Jada from the Internet. There's a but ghost yeah, in I, the literal wires. <laughs> just, just just to like cap it off, I want to say that I, I am liking the game a lot. And it, I think it, I find it totally refreshing that it's kind of straightforward after just the length that Horizon Forbidden West was and then the vagueness of of Elden Ring no matter you know I love both of those games being able to kind of just jump into this like more straightforward game that doesn't seem like it's going to be overly long has been a breath of fresh air and uh, I'm liking it a lot and uh, I'm addicted to doing like all the side stuff there's a lot of it and they're fun to do <laughs> yeah the the j- just to cap it off before we wrap up I I totally agree I think the the world it's I've bounced off the last few Far Cries. I guess like that's the closest comparison for an open world first person game. I've I've bounced off them, not because they've been bad necessarily, but I just kind of have gotten overly familiar with their loop and especially overly yeah. familiar with the way Ubisoft has now integrated their loop. And <clears throat> there are definitely exceptions like, I, you know, I loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I thought Immortals was actually really good. Like their open world stuff. It's not like a bad thing to me, but just the, the Far Cry games haven't grabbed me as much. But there's something I think about tango making this you know tokyo focused world that is both spooky but kind of light in interesting ways that really dives into japanese mythology and and lore in Mm -hmm. in interesting ways i think is is made for a a world that i'm interested in in unlocking the fuller scope of but i totally agree with you in terms of like the the minute to minute of combat is i think the least interesting and the the least uh deep system in the game and it's a little bit of a bummer because as you said i think like it looks really flashy but when you boil it down to what you're doing you essentially just have a couple guns that shoot magic instead of uh bullets and and the gun is your hand but it's a really really cool cool world it looks beautiful like as you said i think it's it's really great at the immersion of it and i agree with you i don't think this is the best time for this game which is a bit of a bummer coming off the back of horizon and elden ring and you know just the open world 
glut that we've kind of had, but there's a lot, I right. think that's really cool about it in those opening hours. And so I'm excited to yeah. see it through. And we'll be able to talk about it more next week. Um, we are we are still pretty embargoed on on what we can discuss, so it's it's very just top down. Um, but next week's episode, we can go into it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Since it's out, uh, I think next Friday, the the twenty fifth. But that's right. uh, until then, that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's show. Seth, thank you for joining us for this episode. Thank you for thank you. having me. Of course. Uh, and as we said, you can go check out Nintendo Voice Chat with Seth if you want to hear more of his beautiful voice on Thursdays. Gosh. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Thursdays at uh, three o'clock Pacific time, six ish. Somewhere in that window that we yeah, also post. Yeah. Thursday afternoon. Exactly. Uh, and at least last week and this week, you can also catch Seth and I together on uh, Next Gen Console Watch as well, um, do. which airs on Fridays. Uh, before we wrap up, though, any other stuff to plug, Mark? Uh, no, uh, I've been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto Five. I think it runs insanely good on PS Five and Series X. I've been playing it on both because of work. So we we have some GTA stuff up now, but uh, for the most part, the game's ten dollars on PlayStation. So yeah, if you're a, even a little a bit curious, you'll yeah. probably just get it. And GTA Online is free right now on PlayStation. So if uh, make sure to redeem. You have that. Uh, PS Plus. Otherwise. If you have yes. PS Plus, yeah. which hopefully you do at this point. But yeah, not, because you, should, you should, <laughs> should be using it to redeem your Apple Plus thing so you can watch Severance. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Seth, anything, it else, <laughs> anything else besides MVC that you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, my Steam Deck review just went live. So go awesome. and check that out. Like literally it just went live. Final review. I scored it. I'm not going to tell you what I scored it, though. Ooh, a cliffhanger. Out. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, look forward to that. If you want the only way to be able to play God of War handheld. It is yep. God of War on a Steam Deck. And I say this in the review. It's it's unbelievable like the whole time i'm playing i'm like i can't believe this is a real thing that i'm doing so it's great to have and jada as we wrap up anything that you want to plug (laughs) jada is still finishing her her mic and everything so i'm just gonna say uh as i mentioned last week don't forget to check out our history of the city okay can you guys hear me give me a thumbs up if you can hear me cool uh yes so sorry about that internet died so you know hey snafus gotta love it um yeah so plugging things uh we did a really cool new discussion format on ign.com last week where it was tell us about your favorite uh elden ring death or funniest elden ring death a lot of great stories from the community in there Uh, a lot of couple of our staff members went in and shared some of theirs as well so uh it's still up go and uh, you know just search for it on ign and share us with your share us share with us your favorite stories or read some of the other people's um we'll be doing more stuff like that in the future so really excited to connect more with our community for things like that awesome yeah definitely go check that out if you haven't seen it already and yeah as i was saying the state of play history if you want to see a look back at when all the big playstation showcases happen what they've shown and hopefully maybe give you some thoughts about what could happen in the future based on that pattern because patterns are real trust all of the patterns anyway uh, that's going to pretty much wrap us up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Mark is at Mark underscore Medina. Jada is at Jada underscore Rena. And Seth is at Seth Macy. Thank you all again for joining me for this week's episode. And thank you to Red Behind the Scenes for making the show happen and dealing with all of our tech problems uh, that we threw his way this week. Thank you, Red, as always. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, beyond. 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 Yeah. Hi, my name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure. 
a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.